Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through 35. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is one provided for you in the pew. A part of what we do on Sundays, the sermon should feel in a lot of ways like a Bible study because we're going to be studying the Bible. That's why we go through books of the Bible so that a preacher's not preaching his opinion. We are just seeing what does God's Word have to say. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. <clears throat> Mark chapter 3. We'll start in verse 31. Read down to verse 35. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stand forever. Let's begin verse 31. <clears throat> and his mother and his brothers came. Standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. He answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God he is my brother and sister and mother. Join me as we pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would be close. Father, I pray that you would go, go beyond anything that I could say and by your spirit take your word to feed the souls of your people. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Family is everything. You don't even have to be a Christian to believe that. Family. Family is everything, but family can be tricky sometimes. On the one hand, sometimes family, you, you have a family that provides the greatest security and greatest affection, greatest support on the one hand. On the other hand, you can be in a family that brings the worst heartache and anxiety. That dichotomy of family is oftentimes most intense around Mother's Day. For many of you sitting here today, Mother's Day will be a great day. It's a great day set aside, wonderful day set aside to rightly honor a mother that you love and respect and want to emulate. Maybe you're that mother. For other people in this congregation, Mother's Day carries a, a dull heaviness of unrealized dreams and unreached potential and even unmitigated tragedy. If indeed family is everything, when the family is fractured or bruised or, or even torn apart, what do you do then? How do you keep your bearings on Mother's Day? 
How do you, how do you stay solid? How do, you, how do you fight off those encroaching clouds of depression? You know, it's providential that we are at this passage Mother's Day. That was not planned. You read from verse 31 to verse 35, five times in quick succession, you have the word mother. Nowhere else in the Bible does that happen. Here in this passage, the word of God is showing us that there is a family that is greater than the family. Let me set it in its context. Go with me now in your mind and heart. Let's go to the context of what's in the Scripture. Here is one of the most painful and delicate situations of Jesus' earthly ministry. Where is he? In chapter 3, Jesus is in Capernaum. He is in a crowded house. He's still in that house. It is probably Peter's house. Inside the house, people have come to hear him teach and preach. If you reach back to verse 21, verse 21 tells us that Jesus' family has shown up. His mom and his brothers have come to perform an intervention. If you ever have a family member go off the rails and you gather together the rest of the family, you go to confront. That's what they're doing in verse 21. His mother, Mary, his brothers, Jesus has at least four brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. He has sisters. We don't know their names. The family have come to Capernaum to intervene because they think he has lost their mind, his mind. We don't know where his daddy is, his adopted father, Joseph. We hadn't seen him since the time he was 12 in the temple. Verse 21 tells us his family thinks he is insane, that he's lost, that he's out of his mind is the way it is put. His mother does not yet believe that he is Fully the Messiah, she will. We find her in the church in Jerusalem. His brothers do not yet believe. They will. We find them writing two books in the New Testament. This passage is remarkable because it's shocking the thing that Jesus says to his family. This passage shows us that Jesus... Jesus cannot be untrue to his mission, and he will not be unkind to his mother. But he must establish a brand new order, a new relationship, a new family that's not dependent on biology, it's not dependent on sociology, not dependent on family, family dynamics but dependent on the binding power of the Holy Spirit of God through faith in Christ. That's why there's such great hope in this passage, especially on Mother's Day. Hope for every fractured family member, every broken dream, every childless woman, every guilty man, every person that has contributed in some way to the dysfunction in a family, maybe your family, you can find hope here. There's hope here because the Lord Jesus stands with 
with open arms to welcome you into his family because, because when you are in Christ, you are part of God's family. If you are in Christ, you and I are family members. If that's the case then, let's go and see what does, uh, what does God's family look like. The question becomes, what does God's family look like? I'll give you a couple of things to consider as we go through the passage. Here's the first one. Number one, God's family is a gospel family. I'm going to explain that a little further. God's family. Not natural, it's supernatural. God's family is a gospel family. When you read verse 31 and 32, you get the scene and recognize some presumption. Join me there, verse 31. And his mother and his brothers, they came and they're standing outside and they sent to him. So your mom is outside, you're inside with a crowd of people teaching. Verse 32, the crowd is sitting around him and the word is passed from the outside into the inside. The word is passed. Hey, your, your mom's out there. There's some presumption, you see. Here is Jesus with his earthly family, whom he obviously loves. Jesus hanging on the cross in John chapter 19, talks to John and says, John, take care of this woman. This is your mother. Jesus obviously loves his family. There is such a close, there's such a close earthly bond that comes with a mother and a father, with a child, a brother, and a sister. There is something there. And so there's a natural assumption that if his mom has shown up, his brothers are out there, that although the house is crowded, people are inside with Jesus, there is a natural assumption that he's going to make provision. I mean, your, your family gets a free pass. Mom's outside. The word's been passed. Your mother's out there. Isn't he going to respond? Everybody in here would respond. All of us would. Oh, mom's out there? Yeah, yeah, bring her, put her right here, right here. Christmas Eve service happens here at Hickory Grove. Lots of people come, pack the place. I will find a seat for my mother. I'm standing here preaching right now. i got a phone in my pocket. If it rings and it's Connie, I am probably going to step away from the pulpit and answer. Your family has a, a special dispensation. You, you treat them like you wouldn't treat anybody else. That doesn't happen here. It's not what you would expect. What we're starting to see in this passage is that there is a family that is even greater than family. Yes, we agree, the, the nuclear family. When I say nuclear family, I mean a mother and a father and children living in one home. The nuclear family is a, is a gift of God. It is a gift of common grace. We thank God. But you don't have to be a Christian to love your nuclear family. You don't have to be a Christian to have that. You just be a person. Sometimes we've, we've failed because we've made that the ultimate. 
But it's not the ultimate. Here, Jesus is establishing a, a new order, a different kind of family. It's good for us to remember about uh, his mother, his biological mother, Mary. It's good for us to remember that Mary herself, she will have to repent of her sin and put her faith in Jesus. She's like the rest of the, like the rest of humanity. In order for Mary to become a part of this family, she's going to have to believe in Jesus. She'll have to embrace the gospel. What do we mean when we say the gospel? The gospel is the doorway into the family of God. What is the gospel? The Bible teaches that God is a holy God who created all of us in his image as humans. We have dignity because he created. You have dignity because you have the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You can lift your head up. You're made in the image of God. But the image of God in us has been disfigured by our own sin. That sin is so heinous. It is a punishment. It is a crime against God that deserves punishment. And that sin has separated us from God so that God is not our Father. He is our Creator. However, His Son Jesus comes to take the punishment we deserve. Our elder brother stands in the way. He takes the punishment and then gives us His righteousness so that you can become a part of the family of God by putting your faith in the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, and because of that, be adopted in. That's the only way into the family of God. God's family is a gospel family. Let me show you something else you'll find in the passage. We'll move on a little quicker. The second thing is that God's family is an exclusive family, an exclusive family. Join me there in verse 31 and 32. There's some very clear symbolism. I just will take a glance at this. We won't spend much time here, but just take a glance at the symbolism in this passage. Jesus is on the inside. His family members are on the outside. Let me read it to you. His mother and his brothers came and they're standing outside. Get the visual. Mark's given us a visual. They're standing outside. They sent to him and called to him and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside. Jesus is on the inside with his disciples, the twelve, and others that have gathered around and crammed into the house. And down to verse 34, we'll get there in a minute, but down to verse 34, he's going to make the radical claim. This is... This is my family now. And, and the straightforward symbolism in verse 31 and 32, the straightforward symbolism is Jesus on the inside, the people on the inside are his family, those on the outside. Several things to think about now. The difference between being on the inside and being on the outside. A couple of things. Number one, there is no physical family connection. There is no physical family connection necessary to be in the family of God. You don't grow up. The children will dedicate today. We actually are dedicating their parents. 
And their parents are saying, we're going to raise our child to the best of our ability in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But that child one day when she is old enough to understand right from wrong and hears the gospel, she will be responsible. There are no grandchildren in the family of God. It's children. You're joined by faith in Jesus. Look, you don't even have to have any prior prior association. There's no prerequisite. There's no prior knowledge necessary. People on the inside in this passage with Jesus, some of them were terrible people, and immediately they were saved. And the third one, which is amazing to me, it's the family of God that matters most. You came up in a family that is not a believing family. It's not a Christian family. God brought you to a church. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. You all of a sudden have brothers and sisters that are close to you. It's the family of God. That you are part of the family of God. There's something else here. When you look at it, there's a clear distinction. Some people are on the outside. Some people are on the inside. Some are out of the family of God. Some are in the family of God. We feel that most here at Hickory Grove when we practice the Lord's Supper. When we practice the Lord's Supper, we ask all of those that have never put their faith in Jesus and followed through with baptism to not take the Lord's Supper because it is a family meal and it paints the picture in a tangible way. There's some on the inside, some on the outside. We live in a world where the language can be confusing. Our, our language about God and who all is a child of God uh, is, is sometimes confusing because we sometimes will think of our common bond with other people that we are all God's children, we're all humans. This common bond with humanity, and there is a common bond with humanity. That common bond is that we are sinners under condemnation. What makes us God's children is when we turn from our sin and put our faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then God becomes a father, not a judge. Now he becomes a father, and he adopts you into his family. I mean, I mean even, even Jesus' own biological brothers are considered outsiders compared to the people on the inside of this house with Jesus. And the glorious truth is that Jesus makes provision for you to be inside. You know, the pro prologue of John, you read the Gospel of John. If you've never read a Gospel in the New Testament, start with John. It's, it's poetic, and the language is beautiful and descriptive, and there is some description of Jesus' family not receiving him and how those that are even not part of his family can come in. John says it like this. John chapter 1, verse 10, 11, 12, and 13. John writes, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, 
not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Brothers and sisters, when you are in Christ, you are part of God's family. God's family is a gospel family. God's family is an exclusive family. There may be a third way to think of it. Number three, God's family is a diverse, a diverse family. When you read verse 31, 32, 33, 34, you get the picture, and the picture of all who is crammed into that house. Let me just read it to you. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him. They said, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. He answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Think of all of those sitting inside of that house with him. We don't know who all was there. We do know who started following him. All of them crammed in there, listening to Jesus, believing in Jesus. A couple of things we do know. We know there are 12 disciples. We know that several of them are fishermen. One is a zealot, a radical. One was a tax collector, probably dishonest. You got people in that house that used to be so crazy, they were possessed by demons. Jesus cast those out. Somebody that used to be paralyzed, people with terrible diseases you wouldn't normally be around, they're all in this house. All kinds of people from all walks of life blended into one family by the love of Christ. You understand that because of Christ, we look at things radically different. Radically different than we did before. Years ago in church growth life, if you were wanting to grow a church, there was a principle, there was an erroneous trend, a wrong trend in church life to build churches with the principle of homogeneity. Homogeneity. Homo, which means same. Geneity is likeness, genetics. To, to build churches by doing things where people feel like this, my people. So that you, you would have activities, you would have ministries, so that like-minded people could feel comfortable with other people who are just like them in the congregation. So you might have something like... Uh, Biker, biker church. Or still today, there's cowboy church, which I might would like to visit sometime. <laughs> cowboy church or traditional church or contemporary church or modern church or young church, white church or black church. So that what you have is this shared commonality that keeps all of us together in this one homogeneous section. But if you have a shared commonality that holds you together, you don't actually need Christ. Anybody can do that. That's not what we have in the family of God. 
building it so that we find a comfortable spot, we feel like we fit in there. So frustrating when I hear people say, I just don't, uh, nobody my age there. Or does it really suit? You understand, we're not building a family to, to suit so that you feel comfortable and part of the family. That's the whole power of the gospel that brings you into something you would otherwise not feel a part of. It's the power of the gospel. What do we have in common? It's the gospel. In God's family, our shared commonality is not some homogeneous thing that holds us together. Our shared commonality is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that love is stronger than any bond there is. I don't know who said it. I don't think I invented it. I wish I did. I know that blood is thicker than water, but Christ's blood is thicker than blood. In the eastern part of the continent of Africa is a country named Burundi. It is mostly agriculture, not much by way of suburbs. Their little boy was born. They named him Olivier. Surname Hakizamana. Olivier came up in Burundi, East Africa. A place that was indigenous with tribesmen, then was overtaken by the Germans, and then the Belgians came in. So by virtue of where he grew up, Olivier speaks probably five languages. Likes to sing. Olivier does. He's not here today. He just finished his doctorate and graduated in Louisville. He's a black man. He is remarkably different than me. Grew up in East Charlotte off Albemarle Road in Burnham Woods. We moved to Mint Hill. I like to play football. I like to read about history. I like cars. He plays the guitar. Me and Olivier have nothing in common. But I have a stronger bond and more in common with Olivier than I do an unsaved white guy that likes cars and reads history. That's because of Christ. You see, there is no family like the family of God. God's family is a gospel family. God's family is an exclusive family. God's family is a diverse family. I'll give you a fourth one to consider. Number four. God's family is a respectful family. Respectful family. Let me show you where I get that. I, I had to uh, work hard on this point. <clears throat> Verse 34, you have to slow down very, um, just very clearly and methodically slow down 
And notice the wording in verse 34 and 35. There is an insertion of a category. Let's go back to it, <clears throat> verse 34. Jesus says, I'll just back up to verse 33. Jesus answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Look, look at the change, verse 35. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. It's interesting that Jesus, in verse 35, would insert the, just the phrase, sister. It, it doesn't, it's not balanced. It has been mother and brother, mother and brother, sister. We, we know that Jesus loved and respected his mother. We know that many women were a part of those that followed him were his disciples. We know that women were the very last at the cross. They were the very first at the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. We know that Jesus' mother was part of the early church in Jerusalem. We read that in Acts chapter 1. We know that women helped finance his uh, ministry. But it's interesting to me that Jesus adds the word sister as if to make us, it's a little bit of a hiccup, in the imbalance of how it was. It's a reminder. I, I think Paul picks up on this when he gives rules of the church and household rules. The Apostle Paul picks up on this principle when he further defines how do men and women, Christian men and women, how do we treat each other in the context of the family of God, the church? How do we act as this new family. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> do not, he says, use your manners here now, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. You see, younger men, you treat them like brothers. Older women, the kind of respect you show them, the kind you would your own mother. Younger women, you treat them as if she was your sister in a pure, in all purity. You have here the, the, the rules come, that come from the book, the rules for the family of God, how we treat each other. This, this family of God is a family of respect and devotion that, that's built on love for one another, bound by the Holy Spirit, living our lives to the glory of God our Father. See, when you're in Christ, you are part of God's family. It's a gospel family. It's an exclusive family in and out. It's a diverse family, all the people sitting around there. It's a respectful family. Let me give you something else to consider before we go. I'm making my last point, <clears throat> number five. God's family is an obvious, obvious family. It is obvious who's in the family and who is not in the family. 
As if this encounter is not radical enough, make sure you see the, the whole paradigm shift in verse 35. It is indeed a paradigm shift that the importance of family doesn't go away, but Jesus says there's another family above your biological family. My mother and brothers, there's a shift. There, always, there will always be evidence. Evidence that you actually are a part of God's family in Christ. Get the, whole, get the whole thing now. Let's start at verse 33. We'll land hard on verse 35. Let's just go there to verse 35. That's where the punchline is as to how the family of God is defined in verse 35. <clears throat> he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who sat around him, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does, here's the evidence, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother Sister, mother. What's the mark? What, what is the sign that you, in fact, are a part? This is in no way Jesus saying you earn it. If you'll, if you'll live good, you can be in the family. He's saying if you are in the family, this is how you'll live. An actual evidence. Look, it's becoming increasingly clear <clears throat> in the world that we live in. We are less and less do we have uh, commonalities with people that might like the things that we do, might enjoy the sports that we enjoy. We're going to have less and less commonality there because the world has, has absolutely gone so insane. It's becoming increasingly clear that you and I are going to have to rely on the family that God has given us in Christ. Those with commonalities like us that enjoy the things we enjoy, they are now our mission field so that we might speak of the joy of actually being in the family of God in Christ. But in order for that message to be true, there has to be evidence. Jesus says in verse 35, this is how you know that people are in the family. Whoever does the will of God, that's my mother, sister, brother. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of the family of God in Christ. I pray you will turn, receive the joy, see Christ with his arms open, waiting to welcome you home to his family. Will you join me as we pray together? With your heads bowed this morning as we go to the Lord in a time of commitment and prayer. I'd like to use our last worship song as an invitation, and I want to make it a very specific invitation, so just listen to what I say. <clears throat> when we sing this morning, if you'd like to come forward and pray and ask God to remove the clouds, I would invite you to do that. Come and kneel here. Just pray. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. Maybe as a parent, you want to pray for a wayward child. Maybe as a child, you want to pray for a wayward parent. Maybe you want to surrender all of those things to the Lord that have caused bitterness. It's a good day to do that. Maybe today, you want to be part of the family of God by putting your faith in Jesus. 
If you've heard this word and God has moved in your soul, then when we sing, I'll invite you to come forward. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would save people, that today, the Lord's day, would be honoring to you. God, we pray that you would protect families and we ask for you to add to our family in Christ here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand please as we sing together?